Hi everyone, we're Lana Mercedes and we are the Onion Peelers. We are also the proud owners of The Breathing Space, a beautiful, growing community of Ashtanga yoga practitioners in the heart of the Varshis in Amsterdam West. You can check out our website for more details and information on our classes and course offerings, as well as workshops at www.thebreathingspace.nl. Right, all right, all right. Here we are, finally again. Oh, I know. We're so sorry, everyone. I mean, why has it been this long? Well, I mean, lots of stuff is going on. We got to reopen the studio. Oh, true. And of course, we rounded up the teacher training. I'm in my last year of my exam year of osteopathy. Yes. Yeah, it's been quite hectic since we reopened. So, yeah, we had a few workshops in between. That's true. Well, we're so sorry, everyone. Yeah. How is everybody doing? Let us know, please. Do reach out yeah, when we post this. It would be lovely to hear. You can e- send us an email at the onion peelers. Info before ah, the onion yes. peelers. Info <laughs> at the onion peelers.nl. Yes. Yeah. Please send us an email. We're so proud of that email address and we still need to get an email there. Yeah. We would love to hear from you. All right, but here we are today, finally. Very excited. I am so excited about this topic. (laughs) I have so many things to say. Yeah. yeah. What are we going to talk about today? Today we're going to talk about the breath. Which, of course, I mean, we named our baby, our studio, The Breathing Space. Yeah. So this is something that both you and I are very passionate about. Yes. So I'm actually surprised that only now we're talking about this. I know. I think maybe because it seems so, in Dutch we say, oh, no, wait, it's English too, (laughs) speaks for itself. Okay. Right, this is English also. It speaks for itself. It speaks for for itself. Like... Like in what sense? In the sense of why would we mention it? Of course, it's a given. Yeah, right. like maybe? it's a given, yes, yeah. But that's not the case. Well, I think this is a topic that could be spread uh, over... I think we could dedicate an entire podcast alone to this topic of course but we'll just lightly touch on some things and then in the future perhaps we'll expand on some of these aspects oh absolutely absolutely but i think this is more related to um yeah kind of a general approach to the topic let's say and in the context of practice and in the context of practice practice okay Specifically, then, let's say, Ashtanga or Vinyasa practice. Perfect. So, now let me ask you the following. Are you ready to peel this onion? Mercedes, I was born peeling this onion. Yes. Actually, I have no doubt. (laughs) I popped out. I popped out of my mom. (laughs) With a little onion peeler. (laughs) Peeling this onion from my first... Well, taking a deep breath. Well, yeah. yeah, obviously you were taking a deep breath. Yeah. 
Awesome. So this is such a vast topic, even just within the context of practice, like, I don't know, where to begin? Well, I think probably the best place to begin is um, why... No, I don't even think... I was going to say why it's important, but I think maybe we should begin more simply than that. Okay. We're back to the basic idea of what are we doing when we're practicing Ashtanga Vinyasa Yoga. I mean, one of the pillars of practice, one of the things that a vinyasa, which we have talked about, right? Yeah. In a podcast. What is vinyasa? This little package of goodness that is designed to keep our focus in the present moment and to keep us embodied. One of the main bits of this package is breath. Yeah, it's like, well, it's at the very front of everything, right? And when we say Ashtanga Vinyasa Yoga, maybe it's nice to clarify for our listeners. It's not just the, let's call it the traditional Ashtanga Vinyasa method, but also other type of flow practices like power yoga, vinyasa yoga, flow yoga. Hopefully all these methods are stemming from the Ashtanga Vinyasa uh, system. So yes, this is the very main, this is, this is like the one thing. This is the ingredient. <laughs> It's like, if you cannot do anything at all, you can still do vinyasa. Yeah. You know, like physically. So I think that's why it winds me up so much <laughs> when, you know, you know, you see practitioners not really chewing on this enough. Because like you said, th this is the practice. Yeah. Period. It, period. Everything else is kind of, Decoration. <laughs> well, no, everything else is also very important. And of course, it's part of the process. But let's say like the breath is really the, the core of everything. It is that which everything else arises from. Precisely. It's like the, the blooming point. I don't know how to... The seed. Let's yeah, call it the, the seed. seed. It's the seed. Or maybe it's the soil. It's probably the soil in which the seed can grow. Yeah, I like the soil. Let's go with soil. Is the soil? <laughs> Let's call it the soil. We're just coming up with analogies. Over we're here, we're folks. going into gardening now. So, no, but absolutely, it's um, and sadly something that I personally don't think that is always uh, emphasized enough or, or explained enough, or even sometimes practitioners don't invest in much enough time and attention on it yeah i think because well especially in other aspects of practice which are difficult that it then because those other things are so at the forefront or are so difficult at the forefront that it becomes the thing that is neglected because i think because it is something that we do generally unconsciously so it's so easy to slip into the unconscious activity of mm. breathing yeah when something else gets difficult but that is exactly the point the point <laughs> the beduling 
of yes. being conscious of the breath, yeah. even when the other crap is coming at you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Sometimes I think, okay, are, are, is it not interesting enough for you? Is it, I, I know that it's difficult, but I think also it's so it's so easy for the mind to go somewhere else. Yeah, to kind of and check out the first. I think one of the first things then to follow is the breath, because the mind is then not on the breath; it's not tethered to the breath, and then the individual becomes tethered to the mind, and that's what's leading their practice as opposed to their breath. Yeah, I think also sometimes we just don't know. You know, you you only know what you know. But in order to know what you know, you gotta do. You I gotta mean, this do. is this is a practice of you know, it's it's an embodied practice. You need to experience and really connect to the felt sense of what you're doing. Yeah. So it's fine if you don't know, but you need to look for it explore you need to go and explore exactly so even if people are like oh i don't know how to breathe then yeah i don't know i personally feel like the quality of the breath is directly linked to being brave that's one and willingness also so you you it's almost like you have to want to go into that exploration. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, why doing it? I mean, we're breathing right now. Why why pay more attention when we don't need to, right? Yeah. So I guess, yeah. That's what, Yeah, I think that's why it's something that's so easy to take for granted and to check out of. Yeah. Because the body does it automatically yeah. for you. Right there, you you don't have to think about breathing. You do just breathe without thinking about it. But then perhaps it's taking the step of, okay, you must make a conscious choice then totally to have this as your focal point. Yes. And this is why I think, I mean, willingness is like, you yeah. choose, you, you choose, choose, you choose. And again, another choice, another choice. Yeah. I think too what you said about the quality of the breath. Uh, yes, it, it gives us bravery and willingness or, or it's maybe a mark of those things. But I think the quality of the breath is also gives the quality of anything else that gives the quality of attention it gives the quality of movement it gives the quality of mind yeah you're so right it kind of sets the stage for everything else to happen again it's that the soil i think it's also important to maybe before we go deeper into talking about the different qualities and all that stuff just to remind that I know that Ashtanga Vinyasa sort of practices can seem very, very physical, but ultimately, hopefully, we are working from a very deep internal place. Yes, I think, but I think also it takes a while to get there. Absolutely. But this is why 
you have to start somewhere, carajo. <laughs> I'm making crazy hand gestures. But I think, uh, I am now hearing myself say, but I think a lot. I'm going to stop saying that. Um, now I don't remember what I was going to say. So we were talking about being an internal internally focused practice yeah and you have to start somewhere and you have to start somewhere so i think i think the breath is where you should start it's period that's it and then of course we can go deeper into all kinds of things sometimes i think as a teacher when i'm teaching new students uh, especially in the mysore room introducing them to movements right we we always start students very slow and um generally especially if they haven't had uh, experience with yoga asana practice. Um, And even students who have yoga experience, kind of depending on their quality of breath, determines how far and how fast they go in the beginning. Absolutely, yeah. And I think sometimes I, I often question perhaps holding someone even longer to to just sit and practice breathing I, I know also I think you've said this before and, and I know I've said it you know pranayama classes and pranayama workshops are often difficult to get people to come to because people find them to be boring right? totally. just sitting and breathing yeah but it's the most fascinating and useful these are fascinating and useful practices that are not boring at all, but we have to train our mind then to keep attention for these things. And that is perhaps why they're more advanced practices. Yeah. Um, though the benefit of them is so far reaching. Yeah. Um, on so many levels, not just physiologically, but psychologically. I was just about to say on that note, I I think it's not just boring. I think a lot of people find it extremely scary mm. and uncomfortable. Yeah. And um, now I lost my thought. <laughs> like, what did the I want to say? The sitting, the breathing. Yeah, it's, it's just plain scary for some people yeah. to sit down and you know, watch the happenings and starting to get that felt sense of what is going on inside. And, um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people are, yeah, just simply afraid of feeling. Mm. And, you know, it may sound cheesy, but I think when you're really connected to the breath in a very deep, deep way, it's like one of the most intimate things that you can do with yourself. Yeah. It's like the, I don't know, I think it's like after that it's God. So I think it can be a little bit whoa, too much for, you know, maybe for someone that is not ready. Yeah. So sometimes it's also about just like being patient. Yeah. And of course it's fine, we can all be patient, but again, there has to be that willingness of, yeah. I'm going to give it a go. I don't know what yeah. you mean, but I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. And then one day, poof. I mean, I remember yeah. I my my um, journey with the breath took a few years. Yeah. I remember doing my teacher training and be like, I don't really understand this whole breath thing, you mm-hmm. know. And even 
and after you know the whole uh, teacher training and everything, and then I kept experimenting myself, and then one day I was like, okay, now I've now the penny dropped. Yeah. So sometimes it just takes time. Of course, I completely. And sometimes we will get it right away. Okay. I love when yeah. like, you know, new students come and you're like, wow, yeah, they breathe really well. That's also possible. Yeah. I think to what I was saying about new students um, and that we usually start them, you know, really mm-hmm. slow sitting and teaching them how to breathe and the different qualities of breath and making sure that they understand that. Because then after you do this, at least in, in Ashtanga practice, you go right into the sun salutations, which are quite difficult yeah. for most people. And they take your breath away, right? You're moving into this practice where you're regulating your breathing and moving at a very rhythmic pace, doing postures which for most people require a considerable amount of effort. Mm -hmm. I take that for granted, I think because we've practiced for so long and the sun salutations are something that are so ingrained in our systems that um, it's easy almost to forget how such a simple movement can be so breathtaking. I don't know. When that uh, Surya Namaskar B comes up, sometimes there's (laughs) a little struggle coming up. No, definitely. Definitely, yes. So then sometimes I, I... question as a teacher um i don't know i i don't question as a teacher the method i question as a teacher oh is it too much too fast because i notice that students who can sit and breathe properly that even within the journey of surya namaskar a the first sun salutations that there is, there can be this losing of breath, right? The yeah. breathtaking. Yeah. That's, uh, and then, and then I question, I think oh, perhaps now is the time to stop, even though I think that that is exactly the point to dive into also. Yeah. And this, I think, is the, the part where, Um, what am I trying to say? We ha- we have to, as a student, be willing, or as a practitioner, I shouldn't say a student, but a practitioner, be willing to look at our loss of breath. I think that the, this has so many important insights that we that, so that are so easy to lose sight of because we yeah. just want to be able to do the we, physical thing. The physical thing. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it's tricky. And again, as, yeah, as teachers, it's like we can see some things, we can also have some intuition, but yeah, like everything in yoga is kind of like both ways. It's like, okay, sure, sometimes you need to stop because then you're really holding your breath and sometimes you even see students turning like red and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then you're like, okay. And other times it's just maybe psychologically, you know, maybe they're, uninterested or not really there and then it's like okay maybe you need to uh encourage that a little more 
And just like you said, there's also effort. Yeah. Effort has to be there. Yeah. So I think there's a difference between effort and struggle. And yeah. it's just so, they're so close to each other that sometimes, you know, you push a little bit much and then you're like, okay, now we're in struggle. Fine, let's pause. And other times it's like, no, you, you need to maintain that effort until it becomes effortless. Yeah. But for the effortless, yeah. first the effort has to come. Yeah. And the effortless, I don't even know if that ever comes. Maybe the two, the first two the, translations. I, I perhaps think that <laughs> there's so many different translations, right, of sukha. Yeah. It doesn't have to be effortless, right, but without suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, without suffering, exactly. Pleasant. So then, yeah, our breath is what gives, is the key to... Yeah. To use another analogy, <laughs> it's the soil, it's the key now yeah. to unlock that door. I love that because it's it's so true. It's like without the breath, it's like you are you're just in the in the top layer. To me, literally, the breath is like like a secret door that opens into, into the inner cosmos. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's when, you know, the real interesting stuff starts to happen. Yeah, I think once you can tap into the breath, and this tied in so much to, you're, you're talking a lot about the felt sense, because I think also that is a challenge, mm-hmm. right, to come into the felt sense. So not only do we anchor ourselves in the feeling of our physical body, and the feeling, the sensation of breathing, these are our anchors, that the felt sense opening this door of stepping into and kind of tasting what we're doing with our body, with all of the sensory receptors in our body, the uh, the countless, I mean, <laughs> in a fingertip alone, so many hundreds and thousands of little nerve endings yeah. in your fingers. Um, yeah, to turn on this felt sense uh, is, for many, I think, a real challenge, not only because you've already said it can be scary, but also because we often just don't know how, or we don't know how to feel. And I think, again, you know, this idea that the mind is so willing to do something else yeah to leave our point of concentration that it's almost impossible to feel right the mind is doing something else so we don't feel unless the sensation is strong which is usually a pain signal that means you've already gone too far and you weren't feeling what you were doing in the first place yeah and coming into felt sense right not just speaking physiologically neurophysiologically about using like um, the receptors in your feet uh, the pressure receptors that pick up the sensation of pushing your foot into the floor all that kind of stuff I think even to just access that again accessing breath is the tool 
also to just have the experience of being present enough to feel that, to feel that beyond the very first impulse, the very first, let's say, second or half a second. Your breath is what sustains your ability to feel. Yeah, well, that's why it's so widely used as a, you know, as an anchor for meditation as well. Yeah. Because indeed it's like that first taste, right? Yeah. Well, and I always like the, I, I don't know who said it first. <laughs> it's just a general kind of aphorism that your breath and your body are the only thing they are happening right now they're not happening in the past or the yeah. future they are the things that are here in this moment so we can't if we're experiencing our body or our breath then we are here in this moment we yeah. can't be somewhere else yeah absolutely so obviously this is why our breath is so important being conscious of our breath, right? I should say in the context of practice, in the context of um, becoming becoming conscious of what we're doing, being in the present moment, that our breath is so important for this. It's the one anchor, yeah. Maybe it would be useful to remind everyone that uh, when we talk about the breath in the context of the Ashtanga Vinyasa practice, then we are referring specifically to Ujjayi breath. Yeah. Right, which is the breath with sound, which is also known as ocean breath, Darth Vader breath, and all these kind of funky names. So it's a pretty distinctive breath, right? When you enter a room and people are breathing like that, you notice it. It's yeah. not like silent or... I know. I don't know how it was for you, Mercedes, but when we opened, reopened the studio, when we first uh, reopened our doors after this last lockdown, um, the first students to be back were the Mysore students. And, you know, we've spent the past months and months, about six months behind the computer screen, helping our Mysore students. And, um, the one thing that you can't hear is breathing. Of course, we're watching students breathe or not breathe <laughs> by seeing if we can see them breathing. And this is, of course, an also another quality that we'll talk about about breath, but the vis visible aspect of it. Um, but we didn't hear students breathing while they're practicing because everybody has their self has themselves on mute. Yeah. Otherwise, it becomes such a crazy cacophony of sound yeah. that uh, with all the little um, like Extra cats dogs and, and dogs and, yeah. and husbands, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, kids, yeah. right? All these sound distractions. So everybody is on mute. For me, coming back into the room and then everybody breathing was... It's an, it is an, uh, I don't even know how to say it, um, and it, it changes you. It does something to you, oh, to me at least. It's uh, one of the, I think one of the most beautiful sounds that there is, and it, it has such a, I guess, such a significance f 
for me as a, also just the sound of my own breath in practice or the sound of your breath in when you're practicing next to me or if you're in a room practicing with a bunch of people that sound of breathing together is so incredible yeah it's I mean I think it's really what maintains and keeps everybody together through practice you know yeah. it's it's really that energy even let's say that you let's say that you are a new practitioner and you don't really have this breath down yet but you join a group of people that are breathing really well they will carry you yeah energetically speaking yeah of course you'll have your struggles but energetically you'll become very present because everybody else is pulling you into that energy yeah yeah and it's like a cocoon of totally it's it's and even if you are not breathing yourself but you are in that space it's it's incredible i think i think while a lot of people turn away from this practice because it's hard, it's confronting, a lot of people feel um, attracted to it. By And I think the breath is one of those things, absolutely. Because something shifts. It's like yeah. a switch that turns on. Yeah. Whether you want it or not, if you're open to it, it will. It will shift things. It's, and no, my God, I hated teaching online. I mean, I didn't. Certain things were really nice from from that experience but I realized how much information is coming from the breath it's like oh I don't really know so yeah I don't take it for granted anymore I really yeah and yeah like you said it's so beautiful to be in that space it's magical it is magical Especially when everybody's breathing well. When, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because if they're not breathing so well or there's not much breath, yeah, then it's maybe more like a, like a challenge. But yeah. uh, if it's flowing and everybody's very together and you can, you can sense it, then it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I miss that a lot. I'm yeah. glad. Yeah, so speaking of Ujjayi, we should, uh, we should talk about what that is I think it's good to yeah, talk about the qualities that our breath should have our ujjayi breath yeah yes yeah yeah also I know there are different um, of course there are many many different styles of yoga and different ways of doing asana practice and also different ways of doing pranayama practice and there's also different ways of um, when you meditate of course there are different instructions breathing instructions or no instructions for breath but um, specifically in in Ashtanga and then often in other types of vinyasa practice that use ujjayi breathing ujjayi has a very particular pattern to its breath right and it's often called diaphragmatic breathing which is a weird name because you always breathe with your diaphragm <laughs> yeah it's like no breathing <laughs> i don't know how else you can breathe if you're not using your diaphragm but um yeah so i, I think that's because generally the largest uh, movement let's say is concentrated around the area where the diaphragm is situated in the body um and that means we're not belly breathing. Yeah. I think that's probably the big difference. So we're not directing our breath towards and into our belly because 
in practice, we generally use what are called the bandhas, right? And we'll talk about those uh, next time. But our lower belly, below the navel, let's say, that should be still. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to, you know, because uh, people can get a little bit... Um, obsessive about this <laughs> so it's not that belly breathing is wrong it's just no. a different technique yeah. like you mentioned before there's very many different methods and styles and techniques but if we're practicing ashtanga vinyasa and that kind of practices then we need to breathe uh, with ujjayi which indeed is like more going up into the upper part of the the torso yes um I mean, I get why, of course, we're always using the diaphragm, but hopefully we're bringing awareness to that part of the body, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of silly. It's like, uh, breathe with the nose. Well, hopefully you're... Well, no, a lot no, of people lot of breathe people. with the mouth. That's yeah. true. <laughs> okay, people, so... People, yeah. breathe through your nose. Your mouth is made for eating. Totally. Your nose made for breathing. Mouth made for eating. Yeah. So maybe maybe this is a nice segue to talk about the qualities that we want to cultivate in like a healthy ujjayi breath. Yeah. Um, during practice. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. I always tell uh, students, I use this a lot, to fill the space around the heart. I feel like that yeah. is kind of the best. Yeah. Your heart lies in the center of your chest, pretty much. Um, and it's nestled in between your lungs for a, a good chunk of your heart is nestled back in between your lungs. And, um, yeah, the idea of your breathing in all directions, right? 360 degrees. Yeah, I think the heart is an amazing landmark. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I use that a lot also. Breathe towards the heart, yeah. sometimes towards the back of the heart. Because yeah. indeed, like you just said, we want to get this nice full 360 degrees. Um, actually, Lauren, who is going to be teaching the Pranayama uh, teacher training soon, he had a lovely analogy. He said... Uh, last time that he was here, that ujjayi breaths should be like you're giving your heart a little massage. Yeah. And it's it's so true. Yeah. That's nice. So indeed, you want to cultivate this pranic movement of yeah. upward and outward yeah. um, movement of breath. Yeah. And your breath actually does move your heart. When you breathe in, your heart yeah. verticalizes. When you breathe out, it relaxes, relaxes back down. It actually helps facilitate the filling and the pumping out of blood. So the bringing in of blood to your heart, the relaxation and the actual pumping uh, of blood back through your circulation because your heart is connected to your diaphragm. So uh, literally. Well, and that's why also the breath really encourages good circulation in the yeah. body. And that's how yeah. we get uh, the heat rising, right? Yeah. For practice. Yeah. Okay, so towards the heart, three-dimensional. I think another another big one is really how you use your mouth, your jaw, and your neck and throat. Like all these. Yes, this is very important. Before we go to this, okay. one thing. Okay, your lung tissue. Oh, 
Yes, yes, go there, go there. <laughs> I know, as she's wildly pointing her finger at me. Yeah. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Your lungs oh. follow the movement of your rib cage. Period. Your your lungs don't move your ribs. Your ribs move your lungs. Literally. There's a connective tissue layer, a layer of liquid, and then lung tissue, which also has a little layer on top of it. And when your ribs move, it pulls on your lung tissue. And that is what sucks air down into them. Yeah. It makes a pressure difference and that allows you to breathe in. And of course, the movement of your rib cage then back down helps you breathe out. So for activating also the muscles, the accessory muscles, as well as the actual muscles in between the rib cage to move the ribs as much as we can in all directions, we are going to stretch out our lungs and be able to fill our lungs much better. So you have to put active movement into all, think of moving all of your ribs, like yeah. the front, the sides, and the back of your ribs. And I always uh, say, or so I don't always say, but sometimes I say, think of your inhale would be like opening an umbrella. Totally. Yeah, right. I, I say wings, spreading your wings. Or yeah. I've, like a jellyfish, yeah. right? Yeah. That's all of those ribs, all ribs should be moving away from each other. Yeah. Yeah, this is a very, very important uh, point. Absolutely. I think another one that uh, another one that you use in class sometimes to turn this on, to trigger this, especially if they're ladies, uh, to use the bra as a landmark to oh, kind of yeah. stretch out the bra in all directions. Yeah. That yeah, can be because it gives you something, a little bit of feedback. Yeah. Or just putting hands on, on people's ribs. That's yeah. normally then it goes. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, that's a big one. Since we're talking about the lungs, I mean, I don't know if I'm making this up, but I, <laughs> but I feel that sometimes, of course, the lungs are moving, hopefully, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't be breathing. <laughs> but I feel like sometimes, you know how we have the little sacs, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I call it the aioli, but no, it's <laughs> <laughs> the avi avi avioli. avioli. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in English, probably a bit viola. Yeah. Um, it's like also you want to draw air into those little sacs. Otherwise, it's kind of like stays flat. It's like you want to you wanna draw the, the air into, into your body, not to let it stuck just at the surface. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of physiology around this stuff and the amount of uh, fresh oxygen that you actually... Mm replace in your lungs every time you breathe is astonishingly low okay um because you have residual air so what actually becomes refreshed is not that much but this is based on um, regular breathing okay so of course if we increase our uh volume the volume of our breath we are going to increase the percentage of oxygen fresh oxygen that yeah. actually comes down into yeah. the lungs as opposed to just our normal breathing, yeah, right. Then we have there's not that much of a of course of an exchange. Um, I can't remember the numbers. It's something like ten percent, I think, uh, ten to thirty percent. Uh, I think that has to do with with the level of the air 
being exchanged, whether it's at the big, the big tubes, let's say, in your lungs towards the little tubes. But don't pin me on those numbers because I okay. can't remember off the top of my head. But if we're taking bigger breaths, we're increasing the volume of our breathing, and we're moving into more active breathing in and out, then we're going to change the ratio, the, the ratio, amount yeah. of uh, air being, um, let's say, refreshed mm-hmm. with every breath cycle. Which sounds like, you know, you could use that fresh breath when you're doing physical stuff. Yes, definitely. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's also how you're drawing the air in also makes an impact. Yeah. It's like the movement. I think, okay, the direction. Yeah. The movement. Yeah. But also the quality of how it it enters into the tissues. And this going, I think, back to what you were saying about talking about the throat, the the neck, the bottom of the mouth, the roof of the mouth, inside the mouth, and the nose, and the jaw. We should definitely... Yeah, now we can move on. But it's no, it's a good segue because, of course, well, that's the holes, yeah. right? And the bridge. Yeah. Yeah, the throat will go down, connecting you to the branches, into the rest of the respiratory system. So that's like the highway for the breath to move along. So yeah. if it's not in the right position or it's doing something weird, then you're not going to get good quality of breath in yeah. and out. Yeah. Or you get too much resistance and then you can get soreness in your throat or your jaw or headaches or pain in the neck. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, there's something blocking that, there's something blocking the flow or too much effort Right, too much effort in the around the head area, which many of us operate from our heads, so it's not a surprise that of course this overdoing, the over efforting can uh, show up in that area. No, and the amount of tension that mm-hmm. we all carry in our jaws yeah. is crazy. So yeah, if you're trying to do something active and then you're trying to find that sweet balance between effort and let's say relaxation then yeah sometimes it can be like yeah really stuck in it so okay so then let's go up to to the the nose the mouth the throat and the jaw yeah so what qualities are we looking for would you say yeah those tissues should be soft the only really the thing that we're doing is we do make a sound because we use right the baby version of Jalandhara Bandha basically yeah. when we're doing ujjayi breath. So it's a narrowing of the passage of the throat so that we can control kind of the rate of flow of breath coming in and breath coming out. And also it makes a lovely sound that we can focus another sensory organ on, which helps our brain to focus and the brain likes to have something to listen to. So that sound is very nice and pleasant. I like to think that's probably what it sounded like in my mom's belly when I was a fetus. Oh, I Like yes. I could probably hear my mom breathing really well. That is such a good point. Yeah, well, it's like when you're underwater, you yeah. kind of hear a little bit of... Yeah. Yeah. Which, of course, you're, you're not breathing when you're underwater, hopefully, but... Well, but if your nose but, is out... Oh, yeah. Then. I used to do that. Actually, yeah, that just came back to me. Whenever I take a bath as a child, yeah. I remember listening to the sound all the time, oh, hearing oh, my course, own breath. Yeah. But of course, when you're a baby in the womb, you're yeah. not, uh, no, you're no, not no, breathing. Then, but then uh, 
But I think that you probably yeah. could hear mom breathing. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And probably that's why it feels so intimate and familiar and cozy yeah. and pleasant when it's flowing right, right? Because yeah. otherwise it can feel like you're stuck in... <laughs> that you're drowning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you're drowning. You're being smothered by mom. <laughs> yeah. No, so throat narrowing, yes. But this is tricky because yeah. you want the throat to narrow, but you also want it to relax. Yes. And I, I don't know, sometimes I feel... I don't know if this is something that happens physically, but there's almost like a widening, you know, like, yeah, like yeah. you said, like a softening. Maybe that's yeah. the right word. What I feel is that it almost feels, when I do ujjayi breathing, it almost feels to me like this space below my thyroid mm-hmm. gland, which is situated a little bit above that nice little divot between your collarbones um it almost feel like that space opens into this yeah wide abyss yes like it like it is like it's the opening to the ocean where my heart is floating totally yeah Kind of like the horizon. Yeah. Yes, I totally get what you mean, dude. (laughs) And we didn't smoke anything, man. Yeah, 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 no, totally. But this is what I mean, this kind of like widening expansion thing. If you put too much tension on your throat, your vocal cords, your neck, you're not going to get there. Then it's just like rusty nails, ujjayi breath. (laughs) But, um, But then it's interesting because you have that widening, that softness. But also there is a little percentage of a, like a like a vacuum situation happening. Yeah. Like a, like a mini one. Yeah, I get what when you're saying. When you're, when you're like <laughs> sucking into. Yes. Because, because you are not just completely, because you're controlling the rate of breath that's coming in. It's not just an open hole that you're throwing something into no it's precisely like, no this is a, a special, <laughs> a special <laughs> this is going very going? naughty very quickly yes it's like a special well that you're aiming aiming for i don't know yeah it's yeah this is also another handy uh landmark sometimes to, uh i've used this sometimes to tell students to breathe Imagine that they have a little hole between the collarbones. That can be useful sometimes. This is, I have also said this, people who, (laughs) to imagine, this is a strange visualization, but right, people who have a tracheotomy, which is an artificial hole that has been made so that they can breathe. Yeah, yeah, to imagine breathing through that point. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... So why yeah the breath quality is wide yeah controlled with a pleasant sound and i think also the direction of the breath drawing it into the throat area you always uh, um tell i hear you tell students this a lot the difference between breathing at the back oh yeah 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 well i i don't know i've find it that when people get stuck at the front of the throat the breath becomes very hard yeah and very stressful and then and then it's what i i call so <laughs> what i call the fake ujjayi breath yeah <laughs> yeah 
which is like yeah it's just right at the at the front so you kind of want to draw it to the back which again yeah. goes hand in hand to that little vacuum that we were talking about yeah and then actually the energetic breath is not pleasant and then also it's it can really mess out your vocal cords and put a lot of stress stress in that area which i don't know i don't think is healthy or helpful yeah so that can be a little bit tricky yeah the drawing as if your breath is caressing the back side of the yeah. throat as it enters into the lungs um and then as yeah. we do this of course the jaw should remain soft and relaxed yeah the face definitely yeah i would i would say that the your teeth so your what is it technically the technical term is occlusion so your teeth when on you top bite. of each other yeah that they shouldn't be on top of each other there should be a little bit of space so however you have a just a neutral normal jaw and then that the tip of your tongue should rest at the back of your teeth up on the top yeah just however you have a relaxed tongue in your mouth so there's no strange stuff happening in your mouth i would say probably it's after you swallow and let's say maybe like a second after that you just kind of relax your mouth it would be that it would be a similar feeling in your mouth just relaxed and i like the way tara brock says and a smile on the inside of your mouth yeah that's sweet i like um yeah because we also want to soften not only the the floor of the mouth so basically the base of the tongue the tongue itself but also the muscles at the base of just in between the the angle of the jaw so in between the left and the right side of the jaw right that whole area under there should be released yeah and um that the roof of the mouth then softens. Yeah. So the really the roof of the mouth, uh, just above the roof of the mouth, um, and also behind that, so a little bit further to the back, is the base of the skull. Right. This is where your spinal cord enters the skull to form your brainstem. And that's a bit further back. So basically part of your throat and your um, internal organs is attached to a part of the base of your skull. So if we tighten that up, we're also going to have an effect on the tightness of our organs and how, yeah, how well they are or not gliding in their perspective, like tissue sacs, in their connective tissue sacs. Um, But also just in front of that then, inside the roof of the mouth and just behind there's a center of um, the brain that produces lots of hormones uh, called the pituitary gland and it sits in a little um, a little cave and this is just above and just above and a little to the back of the roof of the mouth yeah um, well to the back uh so releasing and softening the palate yeah 
softens and widens the sinuses in the nose and also the, the nose passage, right, which helps in circulation of um, the tissue of the nose, but also helps soften, let's say you could think of it as softening the 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 bones of the skull, the base of the skull, so that yeah. things are flowing and moving and communicating yes. better. Yeah. Um, of course, your bones are not... Well, I'm not going to say that they're not softening. There is fluidity in everything, even in bone. And Exactly. <laughs> Speaking from an osteopathic uh, perspective, yeah. Yeah. Uh, everything moves. And Would everything you call that the tie? Yeah, the, the primary breath. Yeah, the primary breath, which is not your breathing, your actual it's, lung breathing. It's yeah. a different rhythm in the body. Um, yeah, but this this softness at the roof of the mouth, right? Accesses. There's also a chakra there, the sixth chakra. Uh, um, right. This is an area that is very important in governing kind of the energy of the body as well. And it's spoken about in some of the old texts very yeah. much. And Richard Freeman is always talking about the roof of the mouth. Oh, and yeah, yeah, he does talk about yeah. that. So, so yeah, that you it's can a drink big... the nectar. Right? Yeah. So drink the nectar of... Uh... So it's another little secret door. Yeah. Yeah, so the door. Another door that can be opened into the, into the subtle aspects of practice. Into the subtle world of our beings. Yes. Yeah, which is a very, very amazing topic to expand upon. Yeah, and we will do that. We will be expanding on that topic Yeah, very soon. Cool. Anything else that you would like to add before There's, we say goodbye course, to our but, uh, yeah. onion peelers out there? <laughs> For now, we'll wrap this up. We'll uh, wrap up this onion. <laughs> we peel we'll it, it to back. wrap it. Yeah, we peel it to put it back together. <laughs> well, which is pretty much what we do in yoga, right? Yeah. We disentangle in order to put, hopefully, ourselves back together in a better... In a less tangled mess. In a less tangled mess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. As always, thank you so, so very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed peeling this onion with us. And uh, we hope to hear from you. Remember, you can always, always, always contact us at info at theonionpeelers.nl. We would love to hear from you. Um, and uh, yeah, keep well, be safe. And until very soon, we promise. Yes. Take care out there. As Take always, this is Mercedes. This is Lana taking a deep breath. Take care. <laughs> <laughs> um.